This is a Woodside Church podcast. Well, good morning, Woodside Church. It's great to be gathering again this morning, although we're doing it virtually. Uh, But still, it's great to connect with one another. Welcome to you if you're from a Woodside Church family. But if you're not normally connecting, not normally a part of Woodside Church, you are very welcome here this morning. So I trust you will be blessed uh, by all of what we are doing and sharing as part of our Sunday celebration today. Well, it is my role to carry on a sermon series that David Devonish began last week, which we've entitled Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And in fact, the heading for what I want to talk about today Uh, I've called real temptations, real temptations. I'm going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. And this is really the continuation of the story that David uh, described and begun last week. Excuse me. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. uh, And we saw that dramatic moment last week uh, when the Spirit fell upon Jesus and these words of, affirmation came from the Father. And now from that place of anointing of the Spirit, the Spirit then leads Jesus and drives Jesus into the wilderness. In fact, for 40 days, he is in the wilderness. And while he's there, he is tempted. He's tempted by the devil. There's a battle that rages with the devil. The wonderful thing is that Jesus wins this battle with the devil. And it's quite remarkable that after this amazing high point, when the anointing of the Spirit comes, when this is almost this heavenly moment, Jesus comes right back down to earth with this encounter and with this period in the wilderness. I was talking to someone this week and explained that I was going to be looking at temptations and uh, their response to me wasn't very positive. Uh, They were like, "Okay, okay, this is going to be a bit of a heavy one this Sunday then. And I thought to myself, I thought, well, you could look at it that way. But actually, I think that this story and this subject is one of the most encouraging stories and subjects that's described in our Bibles. Because Jesus fought a battle and he won a battle. So if you like, straight off the bat, we can be encouraged by what we are exploring today. Let me give you a few just to help you to see that actually this is a very encouraging word and an encouraging story for all of us, I believe, today. Firstly, this encourages us that temptation is normal. It's normal. In fact, in Hebrews 4, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. So temptation is normal. It's a normal part of life. That encourages me. Secondly, this encourages us that temptation is not invincible. It's not invincible. We know that Jesus was tempted And we also know that therefore in Hebrews we're told that he's able to help those who are being tempted. So our theme on this series is look 
to Jesus and how appropriate that is when we look at the area of temptation. But there's another reason why I'm encouraged as we get into this subject. It's this, that this encourages us to realise that God can use the trials of temptation to grow us. He sees temptation doesn't need to be our place of defeat, but instead they can become our springboards of victory, our springboards of victory. Temptation builds spiritual muscle and fitness, if you will. It's a bit like saying that this is the spiritual equivalent of a Joe Wicks workout, okay? That's what temptation can do in us. It can build us, it can strengthen us. So my goal today is to encourage you. Although we're gonna look at temptation, we're gonna look at Jesus, Jesus and his story of being tempted, and we're gonna look at what that might mean for us. But my goal this morning is to encourage us because that's the essence that we can draw from this focus this morning. So let's get into the story. Let's look at the story of Jesus when he was tempted. This is Matthew 4 from verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. My goodness, that's got to be a massive understatement, but the Bible describes that he was hungry. I bet he was. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God. Remember a few verses before that we looked at last Sunday, you had this voice from heaven, the father from heaven saying, you are my son. And here you have the devil saying, if you are the son of God. And Jesus answered in verse four, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Again, he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to Jesus. Here we have Jesus anointed by the Spirit, 
led, driven, compelled by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. The first hearers of this would have been reminded that Israel uh, uh, and their ancestors for 40 years were in the wilderness. And also they would be reminded that Moses was 40 days on the mountain. This is significant imagery, significant comparison to what the first hearers would have understood. Also, we know that Jesus is the second Adam. That's how he's described of sometimes in the Bible, the second Adam. And we know that Adam was tempted, but fell into sin. Yet Jesus was tempted and overcame Satan by the word of God. It's interesting also to note that Satan quotes the word of God. He quotes part of the word of God back to Jesus. But he does it deceptively and he does it out of context. It's, it's good for us to realise that actually we should be aware of that. That when we look at the Bible, we must read it in context. And we must understand what it really is saying and not just pull something out and uh, use it inaccurately. It's been like sometimes uh, you hear people, don't you, quote uh, sections of the Bible, maybe in the Old Testament, and 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 they're, they're pulled out, uh, uh, not recognising the context, and also not doing what we should do, which is interpreting the Old Testament through the eyes of the New Testament. We are New Covenant people. And so Satan is very clever at this. But Jesus responds accurately, using the word of God in his response. And so what we see in these verses is we see an attack by Satan on Jesus. We see his focus, if you like, his strategy. The attack is focused on the identity and the calling of Jesus. The father said, you are my son. You are my son. Whereas the devil said, if you are God's son. You see, for the Christian, the devil attacks our identity as believers, as those who are in Christ when things are tough. He says things like this to us. He says, if God is your father and you're his child, how can he allow this to happen? It's true that we are God's children, but of course, he's pulling just one part of scripture and just minimizing our focus on something and not putting it into context and not us allowing to understand that actually there are times when when God's people go through difficulties go through suffering even as we know even today yet that doesn't take away the fact that we are still God's children and God is still faithful to us as our loving father in heaven the devil will attack that sense of identity, particularly when we are feeling low. But also he challenges Jesus' sense of calling, sense of purpose. And he tempts Jesus to compromise, tempts him to receive the promises that he's been given without the cross. We also see 
some tactics. We see that strategy in the focus, but we see some specific things that that the devil uh, does in his temptation of, of Jesus. He, he picks firstly on an area of weakness where he's vulnerable in that moment. The devil tried to tempt Jesus at a weak spot, which was hunger. He was very, very hungry. Turn stones into bread, Jesus, he says. See, Satan's very good at picking on an area of weakness and us being vulnerable to that. He knows we can be vulnerable to different things, but very personal things in our lives. Do you know, one of the commentaries I've been looking at while I've been studying on this section of the Bible is by a guy called Phil Moore. Some of you will know Phil Moore's commentaries. They're, they're like uh, devotional uh, commentaries straight to the heart of is the series. And this one is is is, is outstanding. In fact, they're all very, very good. In fact, I'd, I'd recommend in this time of uncertainty to get into the word of God, to seek to come out stronger when we come out of this lockdown, however that will look and however long that will take, that we come stronger in our understanding of the Word of God. And books like this by Fillmore and many others are really, really helpful. This is what Phil says about, about the way that the devil works uh, in the life of Jesus, but also in our life as well. He says this, the devil is predictable in his timing. He does not tempt Jesus at the start of his 40-day fast, but at the end when he is at his weakest. He chooses food to tempt his hunger, the temple crowds to tempt his loneliness, and the splendour of the nations to tempt his poverty. He knows the vulnerable places in your own heart, and he knows the perfect time to exploit them. If it is sexual loneliness, he waits for you to watch TV or surf the internet late at night. If it's discontentment, he lies dormant until you read a magazine about the fastest car, or the, the nicest houses and all that your money could buy. If it is poor self-esteem or self-image, he waits until your mind wanders to the married woman or the married man in your office who makes you laugh and makes you feel good about yourself and who understands you so much better than anyone else. Temptation is not your friend. It is Satan's slow-burning fuse to demolish your life. Listen to Jesus and don't be a sitting target. I feel more very helpfully focuses us to recognise our weaknesses, recognise where we might be vulnerable, to be wise about that. But also, you know, Satan focuses on Jesus's strengths. It's not just his weakness, his vulnerability. He focuses on his strengths. He's, he's focusing on his strength, which is in the word of God. And there's a lesson to Jesus and to us not to, not to manipulate a situation even when we're strong in it. So Satan focuses on where we're weak, but also focuses on where we're strong. Let's imagine that someone is strong with their compassion for others and their empathy 
for others and their ability to, to, to be there for other people. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful gift and it reflects the character of God to us. But of course, that can be a vulnerability as well. Something that we're strong in if we're not careful that we just don't give and give and give again, that we forget to care for ourselves. What is a strength then becomes a place where the enemy can can get in and we we get it wrong. Or maybe someone could be brilliant at making money. You know, some people are just very, very good at making money. It's like a, it's a gift. But actually, they can use that gift in many different ways for good and maybe not so good. So we need to consider where are we weak, but also where might we be strong? So let's try and land this a little bit. Let's just look at three things. Uh, let's first look at this. What are the what do the temptations mean to Jesus? What do these temptations mean to Jesus? You see, it would be a mistake to think that these temptations are included in the Gospels primarily to provide examples for Christians. Now, of course they do, but that's not the primary thing that's going on here. These temptations were messianic temptations. They, they were uniquely appropriate for Jesus. Jesus had received clear vision of, of a mission and a calling that he was, he was to carry out. Now it was about how he was going to carry out this vision or calling. Was he going to adopt the path of conquering king? Or was it going to be the harder path of a suffering servant? See, this is real temptation going on. This is Jesus being tempted to see a genuine calling worked out in a different way. You see, we begin to understand the humanity of Jesus in this moment. We often can forget that, yes, Jesus is completely and 100% God, but he's also completely and 100% man. And we see and we get underneath the humanity of Jesus in this moment. And this is, of course, mirrored in a very famous uh, part of the story of Jesus and part of his life. And that's in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he turns to his father and he calls out and he says, Father, if this cup can be taken away from me, describing the cross and what was before him. He said, Lord, if there is another way. And so we see that this is this is another expression of the humanity of Jesus. And so these temptations what they mean to Jesus, this is a huge and significant moment. Which path will he take? We might also ask, what do these temptations mean for us? You see, we know that Jesus succeeded. We know that where Adam failed, where, where the ancient people of Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. We know that Jesus won this battle with Satan. And of course, as I just referred to, we know that he won the ultimate battle on the cross. 
when Satan was finally defeated. He is perfect, so we don't have to be. As I said at the beginning, we, when I spoke to someone about talking about temptations, uh, we, can, uh, we can think, oh my goodness, this is, this is a heavy, heavy message. This is a negative message. But actually, this is the most positive message that there can ever be. Because the fact that Jesus was tempted, as it's described in the Bible, just as we are, but was without sin, means that he is the perfect Jesus. It means that he is a Jesus that we can place our trust in. We no longer have to place our trust in our lives and, and us always winning the battle against temptations. We, we, we place our trust not on our own performance, but on the performance of Jesus. You know what scholars call this? They call this substitutional atonement. They call it substitutional atonement. We know what a substitute is. Substitute someone on a on a football field or a rugby field. I know we've got some Bedford Blues uh, supporters out there. Let's God let's pray. God bless those Bedford Blues supporters. Uh, they're not doing very well. I I hear. Uh, but if you imagine a rugby game or football game, and, and someone comes on to replace someone else, there's a substitute. We understand what that means. A substitute. Atonement. Atonement is about making up for putting right, being a replacement for. And so Jesus is our substitutional atonement. Because he was tempted in every way, the Bible says, just as we are, yet was without sin, he can be our replacement. And so the amazing thing about this story is it, it, it indicates that yes, Jesus was tempted, but he was completely without sin. Therefore, we don't look to ourselves for our own salvation. We don't look for, for, for our own efforts to, to in some way uh, approve ourselves to God. Actually, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. And we say humbly, Jesus, I want to put my trust in you. That's the essence of the gospel. That actually when we do that, we receive his righteousness. He takes our sin and we receive his righteousness we begin to be those who are in him in Christ this is such an encouraging uh, word this is such an encouraging part of the gospel that is highlighted for us all today takes me to my third question why therefore does God allow temptations today why does God allow temptations now, it's simply that this encourages us to realise that God can use the trials of temptations and does use the trials of temptations to grow us, to mature us, to strengthen us, to lead us, to place our trust on him, to look to Jesus in the midst of those temptations and realise that temptations need not be our place of defeat, but instead they can indeed be our springboards of victory. You see, we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved not by our own efforts. We are saved through by grace through faith. But we are also changed 
by grace. God does something in our hearts. That's when we become born again. We become what the Bible describes as new creations. So once we were leaning and going in an opposite direction, now God has done something here. And so when a temptation arises, whatever it may be, and we've mentioned some and there may be, I'm sure there are others that you can think of for yourself, we can be confident that Jesus is enough. We can look to him and say, Jesus, I do not want to give into this again. I want, I want to turn and I want to go in your direction. But if we trip up and if we make a mistake, we have to be reminded too that the reason why we can be encouraged even in those circumstances or even when we look back and we think, I, I, I made a mistake there and I, I let myself down there. We can be encouraged that actually this gospel is not about our performance. It's actually about the performance of Jesus Christ. And because there is no sin in Jesus, we can place our trust in him and we can know that we are forgiven and know that we are at one with him. He is our substitutional atonement. And so to finish with, I'd like to just land on two things. The first thing is back to that substitutional atonement. Maybe for you, you've never fully said, Jesus, I want you to take my place. I want, I want as it were, to come off the field and call Jesus on, if, if, you, if you understand the imagery, and actually allow him to be your substitute. That means laying some things down. It means choosing to go his way. It means confessing that he is your Lord, that he died uh, and rose again. It, it, means, it means repenting. It means turning away from, from following your decisions, but following his decisions and his plans for you. It means all those things. It means I'm going to place my trust in you. God, I want you to be the king of my life. Maybe for you, there's a substitute moment that you need to consider. That's the first one. The second one is probably for many of us that actually we need to see that temptations can be in God when we look to Jesus. They can actually be those moments when we grow in our faith. They're like the, the, the spiritual muscle and fitness that maybe Joe Wicks would do to our bodies, but temptations can do to our spiritual lives. And so we can see them as things that we can see victory in rather than we can see things that just pull us down. I'd love to pray for us as we consider those things. And if you do know that you need to call Jesus on to be your substitute, then please make this your prayer today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you lived a perfect life. Yet, Lord, it was a perfect life that had uh, temptations. And as we uh, read in your word, you were tempted in every way, yet you were without sin. Lord Jesus, we recognise that you are the perfect saviour. And Lord Jesus, we pray, would you be our substitute? Would you be our substitutional atonement? Would you make up for what we have done wrong? Would you atone for our sins as we place our trust in you? Lord, we turn away from trusting in ourselves. We repent. We want to follow you and follow you faithfully. So Lord Jesus, would you come into our lives and Lord, would you forgive us and would you bring new life into us as we follow you? 
And Lord, we pray more broadly that as we face temptations, which we will, Lord, we pray that they would be moments, not of defeat, but they would be moments of growth. There would be moments when we would, as it were, uh, exercise our spiritual muscles. And we would, in those times, look to you and find strength from you and discover that we can see these moments as springboards to victory. That those times don't have to be negative and dark and disappointing times, but those can be times when we begin to more fully walk in your purposes and your plans for us. Lord, we pray, would you help us in that? Whatever may come our way, Lord, we pray, would we see victory in these areas? In your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Well, we're done for now. God bless you all. I pray you have a fantastic week. Hope to see you very, very soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.